This evening's Dharma talk is titled Prior to Thought. Is that what I said it was? Good. I had to think about it for a moment. That's kind of funny. Isn't it? <laughs> Sorry. Prior to thought, what, what about, how, how does that, is there, is there, a, is there a, a, some space or something where there's no thinking happening? Is that true? I don't know. But you know, Dogen, our, the founder of this particular lineage, Dogen Zenji in the 13th century said, one of his, he's always saying some, something, one of the things he said is, drop off body and mind. And of course, or maybe not of course, but to me it's like, how do you do that? How do you keep up? And drop off the body, I need that. I can't drop off that mind, how can, how can I do stuff? How can I get places? How can I fix things? How can I pay my bills? prior to thought. So in order to understand that, we have to actually really look at the thinking process and see what the thinking process is doing because in most people it is generating a bunch of propaganda about in order to protect an imposter and that imposter is ego. Protecting, keeping that identity of some person that can win, some person that can lose, some person that can continue in time. And of course, there is a body-mind complex that's continuing in time, but who you are is not this body-mind complex. And I can say that as a statement, and I'm not asking you uh, to believe it. In fact, in fiction, I tell you to don't believe anything I say. Why am I saying that? Because I want you to see this. I want If you see this, I can leave. That's what I'm here to help you to see this yourself. I'm not here to take your authority away from you. I'm here to help you realize that you need to find your own authority, as my teacher, Kobanchina Roshi, once said, not to me personally, but to other people who passed around the gossip. The Dharma rumors. Guess what Koban said? <laughs> prior, prior to thought. So first we need to see what is thought. We sit down, hold still as a training in here, sit down, look at the wall, and we, we notice that thoughts come and go, feelings, emotions, ideas, concepts, presumptions, preconceptions, analysis, all of those words, and we, and we do it. Why do we do that? Why is that? I can tell you why, at least how it looks here. We're weaving a, kind of a net, trunk burn poche. My first teacher would say kind of a cocoon around us to protect us from being afraid. We're afraid of uh, a, real, a, a reality we've never even looked at, that we're imagining some kind of terrible thing that's going to happen. <clears throat> and there isn't a human being alive that doesn't have, I guess, doesn't have nerve endings in all the six sense fields. There's some kind of sensitivity that helps us be human so we can feel, so we can see, smell, taste, touch, think. But that same, as I've said many times, that same thing, those nerve endings are very sensitive. Uh, if you're lay down and, 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 a, and a, an ant crawls across you, you know there's something on you. Here, it's just a little tiny nerve endings are there tracking that ant or a spider. Yeah. Or what's that other bug called? Stink bugs. Yeah, they're they're kind of weighty. You've noticed you even notice when you feel that that it's not an ant. It's not a spider. It's a stink bug. Does anybody have a, had a stink bug fall on them? Like an hour today, there was a stink bug. Oh, interesting. The 
Well, you got to get the Dharma somehow. I mean, that's a stink bug. It's probably going to the next incarnation. It'll be a caterpillar in a monastery in Tibet. <laughs> Getting closer. So the idea here is to is to not disbelieve the thoughts, and try to push them away so we so we don't have them, and not try to attach things to them to, you know, methodologies, although there are lots of them, the methods. Tantric tradition in Tibet is full of all kinds of ways of approaching this. Not incorrect, I just don't teach it. Because I teach in such a way that I, I don't have very many students. I don't want a lot of them. I want to be able to talk to people directly. Having uh, a lot of students would be, I would have to teach in a different way probably. Or not. Lose your wallet. Hmm. So dropping off body and mind is first feel this, this body. As meditators, we can do this. People who don't meditate would have difficulty. They will. They would continue to go in circles because they are addicted, can't think of another word that's going to work, to thought patterns of right and wrong and belief and disbelief and correct and incorrect and this opinion. What do you think about what I'm thinking about what you're thinking? I don't know. What do you think about what I'm thinking about what you're thinking about what you're thinking about I'm thinking? It, we, it sounds, that's ridiculous, but we actually do that. We actually, well, you, you can even hear people occasionally say, uh, well, I don't want you to think that, we can't even control our own thoughts, and yet we're, uh, well, I don't want you to think that I'm thinking about stuff. Sounds better than that, but it's like that, and it's not about stopping thinking. It's not about changing it, getting rid of it. It is about being aware of it. Awareness is king. Awareness is queen. Awareness is not separate. And awareness doesn't. Awareness belongs to somebody for a while until you see there isn't anyone, and then it doesn't. Then then the whole thing collapses into everything. You can't find anything, all you can find is this. And it's not a thing. It transcends this. These words are coming, not coming out of thinking. I don't think. Occasionally, I might think. And you could say, well, that's obvious. Bumping into stuff all the time. Uh, mismatches his colors. He needs to think about fashion more. But I literally don't think up stuff. A little bit, but it's not very much. And part of the reason I don't is because it hasn't worked really well for me. It, it, because my particular karma is extremely tense and irritating and negative. So if I think, then I, then I have to include all of that to wild and crazy karma. But if I don't think, I'm not talking about stopping thinking. I'm talking about what Dogen uh, said, or at least my understanding is, drop off body and mind. It's not that there's not a body here, but it doesn't belong to anyone. It's not that there isn't a mind here, but it doesn't belong to anyone. So therefore, whatever comes is fine. Whatever leaves is fine. Whatever stands on its head is fine. No comment. And I sometimes say to you, and I'm saying to you now, I don't care how you feel. On the other hand, I'm extremely moved by how you feel. I care about all of you very much in a way that I, I don't even know how to express it. But when I say I don't care how you feel, all I'm trying to tell you is, don't buy into that. Don't get rid of the feeling. And don't also assume that it's true. And how do you do that? You have to feel it really deeply. You have to 
when you start to feel, you have to stop trying to prevent that, and you have to allow that feeling to go all the way down through the carpeting, through the floor, through the basement floor, into the center of the earth. You have to be completely receptive to the feeling, so that because if you are, then it goes right past the self-centeredness of ego, it goes all the way into everything. Sometimes called compassion, sometimes called crazy wisdom, and it's the Crazy wisdom, because uh, because to the ego mind, the self-centered mind, the mind is looking for right and wrong, plus and minus, tit for tat. Uh, it, it can't understand that. It, it looks crazy. Why would you do something like such and such and such and such? That's crazy to do that. You need to get a hold of yourself. You need to straighten up. You need to get a job. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> don't believe your thoughts that's a start when they come in the way you work with it is you notice how much you believe it you just notice this relatively it works and if you were going to live forever well let's do that then but you're not who you are is not a body mind we're we're not separate from that for a short period of time what so many years but who we are fundamentally is not separate from anything anywhere and if you realize that while there's still, while you're still downloaded in a body, then, then we begin to work for the welfare of everyone. Self-centeredness is not even something you have to do anything about anymore, because there isn't one. Drop off body and mind. And how do we do that? By seeing you're grasping at the this form and seeing you're grasping at your thoughts, either to grasp them to accept them or grasp them to reject them. Shoto. The, uh, is the apparent body-mind complex necessary to see the truth? Yeah, that's why we're here. We're, we're here. This is like a big school. We, we come and we're, like I remember thinking, one of the first uh, memories I have is, uh, it was probably three, maybe. And I remember looking around and, and it kind of stuck with me. I didn't remember I had this thought until later. And then I thought, thought back and remembered thinking years ago, I was thinking back when I was seven to when I was three. I was like, years ago, I had this thought that showed up of, why did I come back here? Not why did I come here, but why did I come back here? <laughs> what? Why did you come back here? I don't know. <laughs> Still finding out. I came back here to keep you in mind. <laughs> Mr. Monk. Yes. What does the body-mind complex offer as a tool to see the truth? Well, it shows up as relative truth. We're born, and we go along for a while, and we have successes and failures, and we have attachments, and we, we start to believe that we are a particular person. Uh, we believe that other particular people are not so, so good, and our race or our sex or something is better, or our intelligence level is higher, and we continually add on and subtract and divide and look for some kind of relative value. We look for uh, something that is relatively valuable. And so, and this gets us in trouble. Not everyone, some people are born, as they say, with a silver spoon. So they're kind of pretty good. They're in what we call a heaven realm. They're in a, you know, why is everybody, they're, they're not people who would ever have any interest in meditating because they don't, they, they don't have enough, uh, direct visceral suffering in their life. They're able to cover it up. Everybody suffers eventually, especially when they start approaching their death. 
or someone very close to them approaches their death, or when somebody very close to them goes another direction. We start to have a, a kind of a, a kind of death or a kind of termination of something that we thought was, well, I'm here, I'm going you know, to live, I'm gonna keep on living, of course, but maybe not. This might be the last talk I ever give. That's actually funny. You don't think that's funny? Yes. Nothing. What, 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 is, what is valuable cannot be destroyed. And, and to think that it can is suffering. To think that you are someone who can be, that who you actually are could be affected by anything. Not, not saying there's not emotions and feelings and difficulty and things going back and forth, but they don't happen to a, an individual. What was your name again? Kiyun. Kiyun, do you have a question? Um, dropping off body mind, is that death? Uh, if you do that before the bo- physical body dies, then it is a kind of death. It's been called ego death, but death, uh, ego doesn't have to die. You just have to see that it's not real. All of the thoughts and opinions and ideas and feelings and emotions are just not substantial. So you either have to believe them nor disbelieve them. Don't do anything with them. This, the, the death part is part of why the self-centeredness is so terrified of, well, of change, you know, making sure things stable, make, making sure this is why people have opinions, because that protects them from looking into the unknown. Someone who is opinionated is, uh, uh, may not seem particularly fearful, but if you go drop down a couple of notches below the opinion, you're going to find fear that is being covered up or protected. And the only way that fear is going to come out again, uh, and it might be there for years, but if something happens out here that is completely upsets the relative truth, the relative security of that body-mind-ego complex, then all that unexamined fear is going to rush to the surface and the person is going to be, and I'm not predicting anyone's future, but the person will be terrified by it. Sean? I was just wondering, the dropping off body and mind, is that something that happens once or is that a process that is then always happening? I think we get, I think we get flashes of that, but we get a flash of it, but then we kind of recognize it and then we want to hold on to it. And so, and then that's a, that's a, that's a, that is the, the materialistic grasping quality, wanting to hang on to awakening because it's some kind of accomplishment. But you, you can't, if you find out who you are, you can't hang on. There's no, there's no way to hang on to who you are. There's no way to be separate from who you are. So it's a fundamental uh, breakdown of uh, relative truth that collapses into the, uh, into the absolute. These words come out of are absolutely, they're relatively conveyed, but they don't come out of a relative understanding. So you may have, to respond more directly to what you're saying, you may have some flashes. Sometimes this is called, uh, in the Japanese tradition, kensho, or insight into your, into your fundamental nature. But the thing with kensho is they're temporary. They're experiences that, that go away. They might last three days, three weeks. They could last longer. But usually they, they start to wear out, and then we're right back to the humdrum. And we're right back to and wondering what happened to that. And we saw something. But fundamental, uh, the fancy word in Sanskrit is Anutra Samyak Sambodhi or, or uh, uh, Samadhi. Uh, that, if it, that's totally seen, then it doesn't go anywhere. Even if ego comes back, it doesn't matter because ego is empty. 
So, it, so even if you you can't, it can't you can't be a, a scared out of your out of your uh, awakening or your clarity, and it's not an accomplishment. It's something that's everyone here has this. You not to accuse you of anything. You're covering it up, and you're covering it up because of possibly lifetimes of covering up. You probably ran into this uh, this particular path, uh, you know, in the 14th century, possible. And do I believe that? No. Belief is extra. You don't need to believe anything more, Sean. Thoughts up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Early in the talk, you were talking about authority. Yes. How does seeing that there is no authority help you to get your own authority? Well, that is your own authority. If, if you see that there's no authority, that's your authority. <clears throat> there is no authority. There's just this. And uh, by seeing that there's no authority, uh, you function out of, out of reality. You function out of this all the time. It's showing up as the truth. And so you, it's like um, an example of, uh, of most people are dealing with uh, plus and minus or, or uh, uh, gaining idea and losing idea. I need to go towards this because this will help me. I need to go stay away from that because that's uh, difficult or that's bad. And it's not that there isn't some truth to that. Of course, there is. We don't want to, we don't want to um, do things that are going to be destructive or painful. Or so there's some of that going on. But the fundamental, excuse me, the fundamental understanding is since there's there's just this uh, to the one to one who has realized there's no there's there's no uh, past and future in the conventional sense. This, this, uh, there's no ignoring of that, but there's no buying into it. As uh, as Dogen says, uh, uh, in um, all over the place, he's always talking out of both sides of his whatever he has, uh, and he's saying um, uh, firewood doesn't become ash. Ash is ash. Firewood is firewood, and one doesn't change into something else. Isn't that great? <laughs> what a great way to say that. What what a great way to say nothing happens which is what His Holiness the 16th Carmel Paul said in 1981 on his deathbed. And I'm always quoting him because it's just an astonishing thing to say. It's such an ordinary statement. And he's actually pointing at uh, ultimate truth. On his deathbed, he's saying, nothing happens. As those his students around him are all weeping because he's dying. And every time somebody comes in the room, he's asking them, how are you doing? How are you feeling? He's dying of cancer. He's asking how they're doing. I wasn't there, but this is a story I was told. And then he said, nothing happens. Uh, Shoshi from Vicksburg asks, what is Dharmakaya? Uh, there's a, the three kayas or the Sambhogakaya. There's the Nirmanakaya, which is the physical situation. The Sambhogakaya is the intermediate. Uh, it's called the body of bliss. And the Dharmakaya is the, is the ultimate body of truth, of fundamental truth, which is just a way of breaking it down so you see that the, the truth uh, has different levels to it. As long as we're physically in, uh, incarnated, uh, we, we need a little bit of the stair-step idea there to get an idea what's happening. Uh, but the uh, Svabhavika Kaya is, uh, Svabhavika means, uh, is the, the, the fourth one, which means that those are all the same. It, it's it's the, the, where you see that the Nirmanakaya, the physical situation, the, the, uh, the, the, uh, Body of bliss, or the intermediate state between the Dharmakaya and the Sambhoga, or the Nirmanakaya, uh, and the, are all are not separate from each other. And if you see that, 
It's not entertaining, nor is it boring. It's just this. And whatever occurs is totally appropriate. Whatever does not show up is completely all right. There's no, there's no arguing with reality. One is just here, just here. As it says, uh, there's a Tibetan tradition, there's one of the things that uh, monastics might recite is, uh, if it's better for me to die, let me die. Better for me to live, let me live. Uh, so just taking, just wiping out any kind of uh, uh, preference. This doesn't mean that, you, that you're going to, by doing that, you're somehow not going to have preferences. It's just a way of training the mind to loosen their grip just a little bit on our demand for life to be a certain way. It has a relative quality to it, and it has an ultimate quality. And if you, if the ultimate quality begins to show up, uh, and there's a contrast from that to the relative quality, there's still some kind of warfare going on because fundamentally they're not different, as it says, "Swabhavikakaya," not separate. Shane from Texas asks, have you become crazy wisdom? No, he has. He's working on it. Shane, you are nuts. <laughs> but you're also very wise. I think he's looking back to me. So, no, I haven't become anything. Shut up. When investigating thoughts, it doesn't look like there's a discrete front or back to a thought. So what is prior to thought pointing out? Uh, it's basically, uh, it's pointing out to say that, just a way of talking about it, it's saying that there is a, that our, our makeup, our consciousness, actually is flooded with thoughts all the time that, uh, that tie us into this physical organism that makes it feel, this feels so real. We just feel like we're here and we're, we feel, through the sense fields, we feel gravity, we smell, we taste, we touch, we keep reifying our belief that there's somebody here. And I'm not saying shut that out, Saying and, and uh, in, in our practice, I'm saying include everything, include all the senses. What's your question? Go ahead. What was your question? Didn't you have a question? The first one I asked. No, ask it again. I forgot it. If it doesn't look like thoughts have a discrete front or back, what is prior to thought? Yeah. So that space, uh, and I don't know how to say it other than space. It's before, before uh, anyone has a problem with anything. Before anything, before you, before anything, there is a space uh, that is uh, is not a person. It's not. It doesn't lack a person. It's not a. It's not a thought. It's not the lack of a thought. It's not a space, and it's not not space. So this is what is ta uh, what Dogen is referring to. Drop off body and mind. Don't don't uh, don't crank up thoughts to help you stitch together some kind of uh, protection against uh, the unknown. Some kind of cocoon to protect you. Uh, thought patterns, opinions, ideas, uh, analysis, hope and fear, passion, aggression, ignorance, all of the hope, the, the hope that things are going to get better and the fear they're going to get worse. We buy into that and we just spin. And the sitting practice of meditation helps us kind of artificially uh, and but deliberately experience suffering. We sit down and we deliberately feel like crap. And we do that deliberately so that we can go into the emotion and into the thought patterns that are supporting those kind of feelings that are reifying or supporting some kind of belief in a personal self or ego that can be harmed or that is being harmed or is being threatened. So uh, before thought, prior, prior to that, and, and the only way that I know, 
not that there aren't other ways, that we can actually encourage that or do that is to train ourselves to watch what moves. And you'll watch traffic outside. If you're sitting here, you eventually will track and watch thoughts come and go, come and go, and come and go. And eventually you, be, you begin to see the space around the thoughts. Not just a way of, it's just a metaphor. Uh, the other one is the other metaphor is before thought, before you have a thought, before uh, there's a problem with anything. There's just this. And, and if you have any identity at all, that's where it is. And that, that identity is not, uh, has no time, past and future, has no space, and is not separate from anything, and does not feel like somebody. It's, it's a, it's, it's a, if there's such a thing as sacred, that's it. But it's not sacred as opposed to profane. It's not a relative thing. It's fundamentally, Trungpa Rinpoche called it basic goodness. Basically good. No, no negativity anywhere. More? Kevin Talmay from Brooklyn asks, regarding nothing happens, I've also heard you say one thing doesn't lead to another. Isn't that at odds with the notion of karmic cause and effect? Yeah, with the karmic cause and effect, we're not denying karma. It's happening, but it's that's just the that's just the the waves in the ocean. This causes that. This pushes on that. That pushes on that. So cause and effect are happening all over. They're happening now. I'm your 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 uh, uh, eardrums are vibrating as I'm making noises. So there, there's a this causes that. This moves through space and runs into something. The other thing comes off as sound. Um, and it's just, it's so complicated. It's not just this and that. Uh, the simple way, the materialistic way of looking at it is somebody's to blame for something or somebody's credited for something. Just a misunderstanding of relative truth. So yes, there's a, uh, there's relative truth, but what, what is being emphasized is, um, is that you're, uh, What's being emphasized is the, the need, if we're going to work with suffering and we're going to try to train our minds to see more clearly, the need to hold still, hold everything that we can still so we can watch the cause and effect happen on a very, very intimate personal level. Thoughts come, thoughts go, difficult thoughts come, and then we either react, try to cover it up, or we react and try to justify it. Well, I'm, I'm feeling this way because of her, because of him, because of that. And we, 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 we take what arises, which is firewood, and we try to invent a past and a future around it. And it doesn't, it's not that it doesn't have one. It's just that if you go there, you, you just, it's like putting bootstraps around your neck and pulling yourself right down into relative truth and uh, plus and minus and, and having to, to um, continually relive your karma over and over and over again. So I'm not sure if I responded well to Kevin's question, but it's we're not getting rid of relative truth. We're just saying it's a it's an illusion. It's it has no substance. It's circular. Does anything change? Both. Here again, we're back to not two. Everything changes, but the ultimate situation is nothing changes. Nothing happens. Ultimate. So when your when your mind is working in this relative situation over as a practitioner. As a student of the Buddha's Dharma, or awakened truth, Buddha, awakened Dharma, truth. So it doesn't belong to, the, to Buddhism. 
It's just to wake up to the truth of, of not separate is to begin to slowly um, separate ourselves from the constant whirlwind of samsara without actually leaving it. Uh, if you understand it, you can actually go in the whirlwind because you don't believe it, you don't disbelieve it, and then you can serve others, you can help others. This is called the bodhisattva path. Uh, bodhisattva vow is not to enter nirvana until all sentient beings have entered nirvana. Uh, until, and that means every bug. So it's a big job. Uh, who knows? You might come back here. You might, uh, you know, we're, we're including aliens. You, you can't come up with anything we're not including. Even if they're mean and uh, are trying to control us. Kevin said your answer was helpful. Good. Good. I'm glad. Further questions? When we do forms, how does that help us work with um, prior to very good. So the forms, we do them and we repeat them. And we also notice that as we're doing the form, our, we have extra thoughts come and tumble around that. Uh, or we might have a time when we're, we're doing a form. Maybe we've been doing the doshi form. We're bowing. We're coming up. And we're, we're aware. We, we look at the incense. We reach for the incense. We, uh, we go through that same process. And, and the more we do this, we notice how we never can do that exactly the same way every time. So some kind of awareness is coming in there. Then we, uh, we might find a time where, when our, our discursive thought or our subconscious gossip just starts to boil over, and the next thing you know, we've, uh, we've missed a whole step. We don't know where we're at, and we notice that other people are looking at us. And, we know, and then we impute that other people are judging us and thinking we're a bad Buddhist. <laughs> or untrained, or, um, or else you're, you might be saying, Chazan didn't train that guy very good. So you might blame Chazan. And you might even turn around and, you know, the, 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 the funny thing is, is to watch someone go through this who's doing an awareness practice and then they go up and they might miss a step or the incense breaks or something when they drop it to put the incense out and they'll say, whoops, that's not in the chance. <laughs> that's extra. But that showed... Excuse me. That shows you if someone adds anything on, like a whoops or any comment, uh, adds anything onto that. That sh that's showing you that they were not completely present in their activity. Not because uh, the the breaking insets that's bound to happen. You're bound to make some errors here and there. It's about awareness. Just be present. Don't add anything to it. Don't do the math. Whatever happens to you, make no response. So that's what's. So that's why that's there. So you can repeat that and repeat that. We could be talking to, uh, saying something that's uh, not even about Buddhism, but since we need to do this kind of form, we, we do it. We pay respect to the Buddha, and we show respect to uh, someone who 2,500 years ago decided rather than just go off and live in the mountain somewhere, he decided to help people. So therefore, this teaching comes down uh, through... Uh, uh, you know, warm hand to warm hand is this. Uh, so I didn't learn this from a book. I, I learned this from living beings, several of them. And what did I learn? I learned that get your own authority. How do you get your own authority? Look closely at what authority is. Look closely at what right and wrong is and, and see what it's based on. You know. So is there to perfect? Uh, no. What, what, who you are and what this is is already perfect. If, if, what, 
if you have to do anything, if you want to know what you have to do, you have to realize it. It's not an experience. It's experiential, just like that. As I say many, many times, but experiences go away. Realization does not go anywhere because it's never appeared. <laughs> go ahead. I just, your expression is priceless. <laughs> is it still perfect if we don't realize it? Yeah. You don't have to realize anything. Is there a way to see that um, without without realizing? Is there a way for us to see our confusion is perfect? Yeah, absolutely. There is, and this is a this is a path. It's a path. I don't know if it's the path, but it's a path. And I'm very dedicated to this. And anybody who comes here has a lot of dedication to it. So we're just going to work on it together. Buddha, the example of someone who is not at war with anything, not crazy, not not gluttonous, not warlike. Uh, not shut down or shut off, but someone who's completely present all the time and a community of people that gather around that particular person. So this provides a mandala or a circle or a, or a, a space or a container where someone uh, in the spinning world of samsara out there down the street, down at the factory, down at the gas station, at the party store, um, in the anywhere you look, the corporate world, anywhere you look, provides a place where someone, if they hear these words, they can come into the space and sit down and train their mind. There's nothing to buy, there's nothing to sell, there's nothing to believe, there's nothing to disbelieve. This is a this is the path of the Tathagatas. It's not for sale. And you have to do it yourself. It's a it's a uh, transcendental do-it-yourself project started 2,500 years ago and probably way before that with other Buddhas that we don't know about. Shane has a follow-up question. I bet he does. He asks, if I had your karma, would I be doing exactly what you were doing? No, you would have died long ago. <laughs> <laughs> you notice I didn't have to think about that? And you notice I'm not even concerned with harming him? I can't harm Shane. Shane's, Shane's harmless. <laughs> I don't see that word harm in here. I, I said harm. I said I can't harm him. Does He's harmless. Does that rhyme with karma? <laughs> Does it rhyme with karma? Don't try to upstage me. <laughs> <laughs> you can get away with that at home. You can't do it. <laughs> you do it here and I'll, I'll move and make you come up here to teach. Sort of. When we're endeavoring to observe the bodhisattva vows, how can we help others if we're still confused? Well, you could start by just minding your own business, unless you're invited. Mind your own business. If you're, unless someone asks, help me with this, can you, can you help me? I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And then you could look at it very pragmatically and say, you know, I can't. I can't help you with that. Or it might be something you could help with and say, I need help. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you follow me a little bit? Get permission. Give nobody any advice about anything, even if it's obvious that they they really need to be told to stop doing this or doing that. Or uh, yeah, don't 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 take your eyes off. Don't abandon them. Don't run away. Stay with them. Stay with them and make sure you're in touch with them. Communicate with them. Listen to them. You know, inquire how they're how they're doing. Take an interest in in how they're doing, but don't jump in based on your own thought process. 
prior to thought. Keep everybody there. They're not up here and they're not down here. If they're anywhere, they're here. This, this does not think. There's no thinking going on here. And uh, not even really any feeling going on here. It's called uh, prajna, wisdom. And it's without a self. There's nobody who's wise. If there's somebody who's wise, this is fishy. Called a wise guy. <laughs> More. Just training our minds, helping other people. Sure. If you're training your mind to to see more clearly, to to not go to war, to try to deal with the own war, uh, the warfare that's in your gut, you know, that might be triggered by uh, situations. Uh, if there's no situation happening, sometimes you can ignore this internal struggle, but then a situation comes up that vibrates with that or resonates with that, suddenly this un, un, unexamined anger starts tumbling out. And then what it does, instead of uh, being responsible, you realize it's your anger, your feelings, you know, it's your, instead we want to blame somebody. Well, I wouldn't be mad if you hadn't done this or this, or it's your fault. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's just, it's all tangled up, you know, trying to find who did this, who did what, who's on first, as Evan Costello worked on so many years ago. So more about that? It's a good question. Yes. Um, thinking of the, the teaching of start where you are comes up. Yeah. Um, and it seems like training our mind can create this idea that we're trained to become a better helper like mm -hmm. later. How can we see that that's just as helpful as... Just add, like you're doing right now. Have a... Relate to a teacher. A Buddha Dharma and Sangha is this path. Relate to a teacher which you're doing, relate to a, a teaching, which which I endeavor to present, but I also I don't make you study my teachings. I make you study the teachings of you know, lots of other teachers down through the centuries and, and some contemporary ones. So you study that and then you do it with a, in a group. There's a, there's a way this is done to emphasize the teaching person, which is right now, and, and, uh, and the truth is being taught, which I endeavor to present uh, through my understanding of it. Uh, not just I'm not just don't have a bunch of crib notes. I'm, I don't study anything. I, I don't I don't need to, to study. I, I spent over three decades studying constantly and practicing. That doesn't seem to be the case anymore. I don't know where it comes from. Not concerned with it. And so, Buddha, Dharma, Sangha, three jewels, refuge in the three jewels. You've already done that. I take refuge in the Buddha as the example of someone who is sane. Refuge in the Dharma is the truth that he taught. Everything is dependently arisen. There's not a separate thing anywhere. Where's the tree that came from? Where's the axe that took it down? Where did the hands come that just held that up? Where do these come from? You can't, try, you can't find first cause. And then the Sangha, which is uh, the one that's neglected the most in, uh, in Buddhism, not all over, but quite a bit, is, uh, is not enough emphasis on the community of people who get together and study together. More? Yes. Uh, Shane has a clarification of his previous question. He says, I guess my last question was pointing to this. Is a person just a collection of causes and conditions? Uh, to some extent. Uh, but we can't be too... Um, we, we, can't, we can't go that way totally because then we're then we're abandoning uh, the space in which those causes and conditions occur there needs to be some kind of spaciousness there where those things are, are observed or watched or witnessed 
without adding on, without without voting for this or not voting for that. Was he Buddha wise? Was he wise? I don't know. I never met him. But his teachings are, I mean, everything is dependently arisen is an astonishing insight. He carried through to no self, no other, which even the, the ancient uh, the Upanishads and the and the, the Vedas didn't actually come up with that. They kept coming up with some kind of holy Atman or Brahman, some kind of some kind of central goodness. Whereas the Buddha didn't didn't do that. Didn't take it upon himself. Uh, other traditions down through the centuries have kind of elevated the Buddha, the Lotus Sutra, various other ways. It's just a different way of teaching. Um, is prior to thought accessing consciousness? Prior to thought is consciousness. Is there a um, subconscious component? Well, that's a Western idea. Uh, Jung and Freud and Adler and all of those uh, fellows uh, talked about that. Uh, but the way we talk it, uh, about it is the uh, Aliyah Vijnana, the storehouse consciousness. So there's there's some kind of uh, something happening there that's similar. It's just uh, different people look at it different ways and see how it works, and, and then people come up with ideas about how that might look. So just to, to bring it into a conceptual situation, we use the eight consciousnesses, the five sense consciousnesses, the thinking process, the sixth, and then the seventh is the, the, the part of the mind that, that thinks there's a self and is the paranoid part of the mind. And then the eighth consciousness could be said to be the unconscious or subconscious. But it's, uh, and some, some uh, teachings even go deeper and say there's, a, there's a, uh, an alaya that's even deeper than the alaya vijnana. So if you need that kind of a concept, go ahead. But what is actually happening uh, can be accessed with your awareness rather than uh, concepts about it. So we need some concepts. It's like you, if you want to go upstairs, you're going to need some stair steps or a ladder or an escalator. You're going to need something. But the idea is to get upstairs, not just to worship steps. <laughs> I love that third step. More? Okay. Mm -hmm. Any final questions? Thank you so much. I'd like to remind everybody about the donation boxes in the hallway. We also accept donations online through PayPal. We have access, access debit and credit, credit cards, and we receive checks and cash gladly. Thank you for your continued support. May the merit this penetrate into all places, so that we and every sentient being together can